MSW Media. Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just head to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health, fill the gaps in your nutrition, and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We thank them for their support. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Today, Biden rejects Donald's privilege claims over White House visitor logs sought by the 1-6 committee. Rudy slams the committee as illegal while his lawyers negotiate his subpoena. According to a court filing, the 1-6 committee has subpoenaed the phone records of an Alex Jones associate and the best Donald cell phone I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. I have to tell you, I can't wait to go over this cell phone. It's nowhere on mainstream media. I don't know why. I don't either. That's why you listen to The Beans. It's because I bring you all the really important, hilarious schadenfreude that you could ever deal with. We do have other news as well. There's a new story, breaking news, about former Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. And I'm going to discuss that with DNC and DCCC advisor Kurt Bardella later in the show. And then, of course, we'll, we'll hit the good news after that, which I'm very excited about. That sounds great. All right. We got a lot to cover. All right. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today. President Joe Biden has rejected Donald Trump's effort to assert executive privilege over White House visitor logs from January 6, 2021. That's a He's now ordered the National Archives to deliver the documents to the congressional investigators in two weeks. He's got two weeks unless the courts stop them. Quote, as a matter of policy and subject to limited exceptions, the Biden administration voluntarily discloses such visitor logs on a monthly basis. The Obama administration followed the same practice. That's White House counsel Dana Remus in, in a letter to the National Archivist David Ferriero that was dated February 15th. Quote, the majority of the entries over which the former president has asserted executive privilege would be publicly released under current policy, <laughs> she wrote. <laughs> As practice under that policy demonstrates, preserving the confidentiality of this type of record is generally not necessary to protect long-term institutional interests of the executive branch. So you're also dumb, she says. No, I just added that. The decision to reject Trump's efforts to assert executive privilege over those logs is the latest move by Biden to support the investigation of the House January 6th Select Committee probing Trump's effort to subvert the 2020 election and the violent riot at the Capitol that ensued when his effort failed. It's also just goes to show you, since Biden has never exerted executive privilege, he's not in a let's move forward and don't look back sort of mode. He's like, Indeed. no, let's look look back at all of it, please. <laughs> now, Biden has already rejected a string of executive privilege claims, as I said, over other Trump White House materials like briefing memos, speech drafts, call records stretching from April 2020 to January 2021. Trump previously sued to prevent the archives from disclosing the documents to Congress, but lost in a series of court battles, including before the Supreme Court, that he pretty much handpicked, ha ha ha, and that resulted in hundreds of pages being delivered to the committee. Now, let me tell you what I'm dying to know, Dana. And that's whether Sidney Powell was there in mid-December at the same time with Rosen, Congressman Perry, 
Bill Barr or Jeffrey Clark? And the reason I want to know that because is because in order to appoint Sidney Powell special counsel to investigate election fraud, as outlined in the multiple draft executive orders to seize voting machines. Remember, he was like, I want Sidney Powell to be the uh-huh. special counsel. Donald would actually need the attorney general to appoint her special counsel. Presidents can't do that. And I want to know if that possibility was discussed with Barr before he resigned or acting Attorney General Rosen or even Congressman Perry, who introduced Jeffrey Clark to Trump, who Trump wanted to install as acting attorney general to carry out his forged elector plan and announced Department of Justice investigations into election fraud that didn't exist in order to substantiate its legitimacy. Now, White House visitor logs would show that unless they were altered or destroyed. Uh, which is also a crime. Well, that's my question. Do you remember at the beginning of his administration, he was like, no, we're not keeping logs. It's, I'm not going to keep a log of who comes in and out. So it'd be interesting to see when that changed, one. And two, yeah, if they didn't sneak him in the back door, because that seems like something they would have done. Yeah, and there's been some people who've testified that they've been waved in secretly by a guy named Ziegler, right? Yeah. So, you know, we'll find out if they're just blank logs or th- there are logs that need to be handed over. They exist. We just don't know what's in them. Well, hopefully we'll find out. And uh, sticking with the January 6th, the January 6th Select Committee, they've issued a subpoena for the phone records of a security guard for the pro-Trump broadcaster, piece of shit Alex Jones. And that's a sign of the panel's deepening interest in Jones's contacts related to his involvement in Donald Trump's January 6th rally, is what they're calling it, which preceded the violent attack at the Capitol. Now, in a court filed Tuesday, late Tuesday, Jones revealed that Timothy Enlow, a security officer employed by Jones's firm, Free Speech Systems, LLC, I know, was notified by AT&T on February 9th that the select committee had subpoenaed his phone records. Now, Enlow, who has worked for Jones since 2018, he accompanied Jones in Washington on January 6th when Jones marched from the ellipse where Trump had held that rally calling for the election results not to be certified right to the Capitol. One of Jones's other associates, Owen Schroyer, was charged for his conduct outside the Capitol. So there's already someone connected to Jones that's in a lot of fucking trouble. Jones is urging U.S. District Court Judge Christopher Cooper to add Enloe to his pre-existing lawsuit against the select committee. Jones sued the committee in December to block a subpoena for his testimony. Now, the subpoena for Enloe's records, he now asserts, is an end run around his effort to avoid testifying to the panel against a witness who might not have the same financial resources to defend himself. All right. And a Gina related story, despite the house January 6th committee saying they quote, fully expected him to comply. It's fucking laughable with its subpoena amid reports that he's in talks to testify. Rudy Giuliani cast doubt. I'd say it's more than doubt on his cooperation Tuesday night, claiming the quote, illegal committee can't subpoena anybody. Well, that's not true. Now, last month, the committee, which is investigating the January 6th Capitol insurrection and the events surrounding it, they issued subpoenas to Giuliani and three other Trump allies, and that was including Kraken lawyer Sidney Powell and Trump legal team member Jenna Ellis. Also very good in a courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) Their traffic courtroom. (laughs) Appearing Tuesday evening on Newsmax amid Trump continuing to publicly rail against the January 6th probe, the former New York mayor signaled to the MAGA channel's audience that he may altogether ignore the committee's legal demands to appear. And this is a quote. Now, how can you have any confidence in the committee, which, by the way, is illegal? That was Giuliani declared. I mean, it doesn't have a minority membership. Yeah, it does. It does. It does, actually. 
Uh, yeah, so there's that. We knew that he was going to, you know, that no one no listening thought Giuliani was just going to come forward on his own accord and be like, here's the information you asked for. No, and some people were saying he is fully cooperating. I'm like, I doubt, I doubt you. I doubt you. All right, everybody, it's time for a little bit of schadenfreude. schadenfreude. I would like to tell you about the best Donald cell phone I've ever seen. This is what the, <laughs> <laughs> the mainstream media is not reporting. It begins with that 115-page filing by Tish James, New York Attorney General member. She, it was called a Supplemental Verified Petition. We went over it in detail. It was the document that said, hey, there's a bunch of discrepancies between financial condition statements and actual property valuation that prove we need Donald, Ivanka, and Junior to de- be deposed so we can sort it out. And that petition was filed on January 18th. Now, uh, Donald's lawyers filed a reply to that petition just a couple of days ago, saying Donald, Ivanka and Jr. don't have enough knowledge of what even the New York attorney general is talking about. So we can't we can't provide answers. They can't be deposed. We don't even know what you're talking about. They don't know anything about any of what she's talking about in her filing. Now, Donald's lawyers filed that shit on Monday. Then on Tuesday, Donald put out a public statement of his own, which included a letter from Mazars in 2014, which, by the way, said they don't think Donald's numbers are right, but they'll compile his his financial statements, but they aren't liable for anything. And it's all based on Donald's knowledge. But in his own public statement put out Tuesday, Donald fucks himself and his entire family. And I tweeted how this was a smoking gun document yesterday. And today, Tish James filed the smoking gun document as an exhibit into evidence and (laughs) sent a letter along with it to the court. I was like, I knew this was important. In her letter, she points out there's some interesting things here. First, Donald's lawyers answered her petition, her 115-page petition, about branding numbers by saying Donald doesn't know anything about branding numbers. Now, Tish James said in that 115-page petition that Donald said his financial condition statements, the ones he used to get bank loans, the ones Mazars prepared, but they said Monday they're no longer reliable and they broke up with him, those financial condition statements, Donald says those valuations on those financial statements did not include brand value. But Tish James has evidence that Trump did add a 30 percent markup for brand value. (laughs) Now, Monday, Donald's lawyer said in a signed pleading to the court that Donald doesn't know anything about brand values or branding numbers. We don't even know what you're talking about. We can't answer these questions. But in Donald's statement the next day, he says, remember when the attorney general said they think my financial statements may be high. I don't even include these branding numbers in them, which is far more than any discrepancy they may have, (laughs) if there is a discrepancy at all. So so Donald's lawyers say he doesn't know anything about branding numbers. He can't answer your questions. And then Donald says, I know all about branding numbers. (laughs) I didn't include them. Another fun example. If you do challenge him that he's dumb, he'll come out and be like, I'm not dumb. Here's proof. Okay, that was dumb. (laughs) Yeah, there's dumb proof. Another fun example in the AG's petition, 115 page petition, she says Donald's cash on hand was reported in his bullshit financial condition statements in 2014 as 302 million cash on hand and a five point seven billion dollar net worth. That was 2014. And she says that's what he says on his financial condition statement. Now, Donald's lawyers say in their pleading Monday that Donald doesn't know anything about these numbers. He doesn't know these numbers. He doesn't do these numbers. It's not his numbers. He doesn't know anything about it. Can't answer your questions. <laughs> but in his public statement, Donald repeated those numbers exactly. <laughs> so, 
Do you know you know the Princess Bride when they go up and they're like, "We need the keys to the gate." And he's like, "I don't know. I don't know what, what gate keys key? you're talking. What gate key? Uh, tear off his limbs. Oh, this gate key. Yes. Oh, this gate key. <laughs> so now, so now, Fezzik. I mean, the New York Attorney General has filed her public statement saying, "Hey, his lawyers say he doesn't know. He says he knows. Therefore, we actually need the court to compel his testimony." So this is like extra evidence that his deposition is required to sort out this stuff, this bullshit. But but she doesn't stop there. This is my favorite quote. She says, it's not unusual for parties to disagree about the facts, but it's truly rare for a party to publicly disagree with his own attorneys in a signed pleading, let alone one day after the pleading was filed. And then she goes on to say his other improper denials should be treated as admissions. <laughs> so. Just James is going to argue this in court tomorrow. We will let you know how that goes as soon as we know. Oh, and I think it's going to go well. All right, AG. <laughs> Facing serious allegations about his ethics and conduct in office, Ryan Zinke, Donald Trump's former Interior Department secretary, he told a government official in 2018 that he had done nothing improper, just like <laughs> everyone else associated with Donald Trump. Narrator, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Negotiations over a land deal in his hometown of Whitefish, Montana. We're proceeding without him. Mm. Now, his involvement was minimal, he said. His meeting with the project's developers at, at, at Interior Headquarters was purely social. We were, just, we were just hanging out. We were just hanging out. <laughs> yep. But a report released Wednesday by the department's internal watchdog caught Zinke in a lie. And here mm. it is. Email and text messages that exchanges show he communicated with the developers 64 times between August 2017 and July 2018 to discuss the project's design the use of his foundation's land as a parking lot, and his interest in operating a brewery on that site. Hmm. So, Inspector General Mark Greenblatt's report found that Zinke broke federal ethics rules repeatedly by improperly participating in real estate negotiations with the then-chairman of the energy giant Hilliburton and other developers. Now, Greenblatt is a Republican appointed by the former president. (laughs) Yes. Yep. All right. That is also all such good news, man. That was some, I appreciate the humor in a couple of those stories and the schadenfreude. And um, everyone coming up after the break, AG is going to talk to DNC and DCCC advisor Kurt Bardella about the Zinke Inspector General report, as well as Dem messaging strategies for the midterms. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hello, hello, everyone. It's AG and the Daily Beans today is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Getting enough sleep is one of the most important aspects of good health. I love sleep. Sleeping is one of my favorite things. I do it every night. And you you know, I've had insomnia and anxiety in the past. I would toss and turn all night. I would wake up sore. and I didn't feel good. And initially, I just thought it was stress. But as it turns out, I was sleeping on the wrong mattress. But Helix Sleep saved the day. There's a Helix mattress for every body type and every sleeping style. And it'll give you the best sleep of your life. Just take the quick Helix website online quiz to determine which mattress is perfect for you. And you can do that by going to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Now, there's a wide array of mattresses they have. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have body temperature regulating mattresses. They have a Helix Plus for plus-size sleepers. Um, they have ones that align your spine. They have all kinds of mattresses, and they have the perfect one for you. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper, and I like a medium-firm mattress, so it's perfect for me and the way that I sleep. Thanks to Helix, I fall asleep fast, I stay asleep throughout the night, and I wake up feeling refreshed. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews, 
It was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired. And leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix as a go-to for sleep problems. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it for 100 sleeps without risk. They even have financing options available. Now, right now, you can get up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. Today, I am happy to be joined for the first time by one of my favorite pundits, advisor to the DNC and the DCCC, Kurt Bardella. Hi, Kurt. Hey, thanks for having me on, Allison. It's so great to talk to you and see you face to face. Thank you for being here. Uh, my pleasure. Appreciate the invitation. So I was I was all geared up to talk about the midterms and all these uh, secretaries of state positions uh, that are that are <laughs> up for election and all the all the the amount of House Democrats who are not going to re- you know seek office again and what that could do uh, to us. But you know, on the other hand, we have the districting and all that good stuff. And I want to get into that. But first, story dropped about Ryan Zinke from the inspector general mm-hmm. at the interior greenblatt who had had found some interesting things that he lied to a government official about a real estate deal with a halliburton and some others can you talk a little bit about what exactly they said zinke did and what your top line thoughts are yeah well basically the inspector general issued a report that found that zinke broke federal ethics rules repeatedly and participated in this real estate scheme really that benefited him, his family, involved the chairman of uh, the then chairman of the energy giant Halliburton, uh, as well as other developers. And, you know, it, it, it's just one of those situations where it's this, this nexus of the swamp and cultural corruption that Donald Trump specifically said that he would get out of politics, that he would drain the swamp. That was one of his favorite slogans from his 2016 campaign. And here was his interior secretary who you know, lied to government officials about his relationships here, who promised he would not interfere and intervene in anything that would affect his own personal finances, his family's finances. And he turns around and does it and does it repeatedly. He had more than 64 communications with these developers between August of 2017 and July of 2018, discussing the project's design, the use of his foundation's land as a parking lot for it, his interest in operating a brewery site on the very site of this development. Uh, you know, it is an incredibly corrupt situation and exactly the thing that Trump promised he wouldn't partake in. And Zinke was right in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, breweries are cool, but like, I'm just kidding. But, I, you know, I mean, Trump said a million times that he, you know, uh, he wasn't going to partake in any of this. He was going to be the captain. He alone could fix it. But he also participated in, in quite a few things like this. <laughs> I mean, there's a, a countless list we could go over of uh, conflicts of interest with with Donald himself. And I know that Zinke got in trouble before. They made a criminal referral to Department of Justice under Barr. They decided not to prosecute, uh, shockingly. Yep. So they found that now the inspector general has found that this is an ethics violation. But the, my big question is, uh, so, so? Because, I mean, these norms, these this norm breaking a lot of these ethics rules just have no teeth or, you you know, you would be removed by a competent president if you were still in your position. What what could this mean? Could there be a criminal referral here? It just seems like it's an ethics violation. But, I, you know, I'm concerned about the kind of so what factor. I mean, it's important to me because I'm a former federal government employee. I know how important these ethics violations can be to, you know, to run of the mill government employees. But what what does this mean for Zinke? I mean, 
anything? Well, you know, in the reality, this is the sad reality that this normalization of corrupt behavior that we've seen from the top down in the Trump orbit, nothing is likely going to happen from this. Zinke's running for Congress right now. He's probably going to get elected to Congress again, despite the fact that he used his previous office uh, in official capacity in an inappropriate way. He directed his own staff to set up meetings with these developers to print documents related to the project. He engaged in private business that's prohibited uh, when, when you're in those positions. But at the end of the day, you know, this, this, is, this has already been dismissed by the Justice Department, Trump's Justice Department back in 2018, as you talked about. So nothing likely is going to happen to Zinke for this. It's just another erosion of norms. You know, I, I think that politically speaking, these are the types of things that I wish Democrats in Congress would be doing more with. You know, they've been in the majority now with Biden as president for more than a year. And one of the things that I constantly talk about, and this goes back to my former background working in the House Oversight Committee, is where are the hearings about these things? We are coming off of the most corrupt administration in the history of the republic, whether it's Ryan Zinke, whether it was his former EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt, who got cozy with lobbyists, uh, whether it was Ben Carson and what his he and his wife were doing at the Housing and Urban Development. There are so many things that happened that have nothing to do with January 6th, nothing to do even with covid that we could be getting into and, and this narrative could, could come out about the culture of corruption that was allowed to permeate across the entire Trump administration. And you know, it's a frustration for me that we haven't seen that aggressive style of oversight from Democrats in Congress, because I'll tell you, Republicans like Jim Jordan, like Matt Gates, like Paul Gosar, they are chomping at the bit to get the reins of power back and to use oversight authority in Congress to make life for the Biden administration and Democrats a living hell. Yeah, yeah. And I have to imagine, though, it's kind of like hoarders, like that show Hoarders, where the cleanup crew walks in for the first time and they're like, where do we even start? Like, I don't even know where to begin with with all of this corruption. But this anti-corruption, these oversight hearings that should be taking place would tee up perfectly a great message for the midterms. And now I want to sort of pivot to the midterms because anti-corruption is a great message to run on in the midterms. And, and I think that those kinds of oversight hearings would tee that up really well. You know, historically, historically, the, the incumbent party loses the midterms the first year. I, I think what Obama lost 64 seats, Trump lost 40 in that first midterm election. Now we've got, I believe, 30 and counting Democrats, incumbent Democrats who have decided not to run, maybe signaling Mm -hmm. that it doesn't look too good for them or they don't want to be in in the minority if they do win. How do we sort of counter this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy of we're going to lose apathy, not show up to the polls, et cetera, despite these huge fundraising halls that a lot of Democrats seem to be bringing in? Yeah, I think that the stakes of these midterms, I think, in the aftermath of January 6th are so high. And I think we need to start thinking about the 2022 midterms as really a defense of democracy for what 2024 will look like. You know, there are outside of just even Congress, there are 27 secretary of state races going on. These are the people who oversee elections in our country. And if we are allowed to see people like conspiracy theorists and and people who believe in the big lie and who help try to advance the big lie seize power. We will not have free and fair elections in this country anymore. There's someone running right now in Colorado who 
announced her candidacy on Steve Bannon's podcast, who Steve Bannon called a hero. You talk about Tina Peters? Yeah, who <laughs> who believes in the big lie, who who was found not fit to even oversee the 2021 elections in her county that she was an election official over, who's being investigated right now by a grand jury for uh, basically election fraud. And if she's allowed to win the secretary of state's office in Colorado and people like her are able to win in states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, Nevada, swing states, key states in the presidential cycle, we're in big trouble. And so this midterm election, it's so much more than just who has a majority in Congress. I really believe that this has got to be the first defense of our democratic process. And if we lose it, if we lose this battle in 2022, 2024 is going to be very bleak and we will be well on the path to this autocratic regime that Trump and his cronies are trying to install in America. Yeah. And and Tina Peters, I think she was she helped allegedly steal some of that voter data, some of those data to to have it. Mike Lind Pillow guys cyber symposium where where a guy was on the screen in the middle of and was told by his lawyer, called by his lawyer and said, shut up, stop talking, <laughs> to, like leave the whole thing. And then we have like Fincham in, in Arizona. It was just subpoenaed by the January 6th committee and is who's running for office there. And, uh, you know, you you aren't going to have these aren't the same kind of folks like I'm no friend of Brad Raffensperger, but he did stand up to Trump and Lindsey Graham and everybody and say, no, I'm not going to let you come in here and, and change our vote tallies. And I mean, like when Bill Barr and, and Raffensperger are, are doing the right thing, Raffensperger are doing the right thing. But these folks won't. That's how low this bar is and how important these midterms are. So what do we do? How do we message this? I mean, we you know, we're going to have a big Roe fight, Roe v. Wade fight in the summer, which which could help get people out to the polls. But how do we fight this sort of seeming apathy in midterm elections that tends to bring us down? Yeah, and that's the challenge, right? And I think that's why, you know, even entities like the Democratic National Committee, which usually only exists for the presidential years, this year has, you know, allocated $20 million to try to help with voter turnout and voter contact. Yeah, this is, again, an all hands on deck situation. And I think that the idea that Congress could be taken hostage by these right wing lunatics, you know, if you like the Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Bobarts and Paul Gosars, that, that's who's on the ballot, basically this November. And this lurch towards the extreme that our politics has taken has been driven by those type of cult of personalities who left and right are, are, are being, you know, running for, for primaries right now, hoping to become the nominee for November. The Trumpification of the Republican Party is only expanding and, and, and infecting more and more of that party. You know, just ask Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger what that's like uh, for, for Republicans who are still there. You know, and I just think that I know everyone's tired. I know between COVID and the pandemic, between all of the noise from 2020, I understand the impulse to just not even want to think about it or talk about it, to ignore it. But I think that, you know, it starts with the Democratic base and Democratic Party and keeping our voters engaged. You know, we, we've seen already just even in Virginia when, 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 you know, when the guard gets let down, Someone like Glenn Youngkin can sneak on in, who is no, nothing more than Donald Trump wearing a, fle you know, a fleece vest, you know, who's doing radical things already in his first month in Virginia. You know, it's like we cannot give these people an inch because when they get an inch, they turn into something much more and much more destructive and devastating. 
And, and if we don't stay checked in and we, if we don't pay attention, if we don't show up and vote, you know, we're going to wake up one day and wonder how the hell did we lose this country? Because it's happening right now on our watch in broad daylight that like the Republicans aren't even trying to hide what their end goal is. Their end goal is for Republican rule forever, for imposing their very minority views on the overwhelming majority. And, you know, it, it ultimately the responsibility is on all of us, whether we're going to let them get away with that or not. Yeah, we definitely have to buck history and show up. And I hope that we do that. Thank you so much for your time today. Advisor to DNC, DCCC, Kurt Bardell, it's been great to talk to you. Great to meet you. Oh, I hope you have me back again sometime soon. I sure will. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. Daily Beans today is brought to you by Athletic Greens, a health and wellness company specializing in simple, easy to use daily nutrition. Now, I have a very hectic schedule, as you know. I've worked many, many hours, and it can be difficult to maintain healthy eating habits, especially since I'm paleo and I intermittently fast. So I have big gaps in my nutrition. But the solution for me was Athletic Greens, and it's going to work for you, too. It's a very easy habit to start. One delicious scoop of AG1 provides comprehensive, convenient daily nutrition. It's got 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients, and it, it, it Basically, you get all of the products in your whole medicine cabinet in one simple, delicious scoop of AG1. It's got a multivitamin, a multimineral, it's got a probiotic, and a green superfood blend, and more. I take it first thing in the morning before the gym. It helps me become focused and productive all day long. It gives me energy. AG1 features tasty ingredients that are bioavailable in one convenient drink, making it a convenient substitute, like I said, for all of those multiple supplements and pills. It fits keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, and gluten-free lifestyles, and it has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything, and it's really delicious. But what I like the most about Athletic Greens is that they update research as it changes. Now, AG1 is continuously improving based on the latest science, which is very cool. It has resulted in 53 improvements in the past decade and counting. Most products and supplements hit the market and they never change, but science changes. That's what it does. And so does AG1. I highly recommend it. It's delicious, it's convenient, and it's amazing. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, simply head to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll And if you have any good news, corrections, pet photos, Halloween photos, I accept all year round, Whoopi stories, what the mutt, find the cat, what you're crafting, our creators, what you're making and where we can find it. You could send all of that into us at dailybeanspod.com and you could just click on contact and there you'll have it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the good news today, Dana. We had some early, but this is going to be good. All right. <laughs> I was like, sometimes you, sometimes you turn to me for a comment, and then sometimes you're like, so let's get into it. And so I wasn't sure. What's about All right, I'll to, just start. I'll just start. Oh my god, I wasn't sure what was about to happen. I didn't know if you wanted me to start. All right, so I'll just kick it off. All right. <laughs> so our first submission is from anonymous pronouns she and her. Hey beans. I just want to comment on the idea of home tests as a gift. My brother for Christmas gave me a decent amount of home tests as part of my present. 
He works in the pharmaceutical development company, and I work for nonprofits, in particular, Congregate Care for the Intellectually Disabled. God, our listeners are just the coolest people. They really are. I thought his gift was incredible and an acknowledgement of what I do and what I need to do to be safe. He and I are on different career paths, but this gift is an acknowledgement of the importance and danger of my path. And to be fair, I also love the cashmere sweater he oh. sent. <laughs> it's like, here's some tests and a sweater. It's awesome. It's oh. I sent a picture of the pack. They help keep my friends and me sane. As Look at they these should. What gorgeous dogs. I love all their accoutrements, too. These puppy accoutrements. Thank so you. And thank you for kicking us off with that. All right. This is from Nancy. She and her. Hi, I wanted to share my pod crafting for a while. Given the discussion of SCOTUS today, I had to share this Amigurumi. Is that, am I saying that right? Amigurumi RBG. I wonder if that's a type of knitting. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. beautiful, though. Thank you for all you do. You truly help keep me calm during the hectic time. I love this doll and would like one for myself. Yeah. I also would like one of these. And I also want to look up more about what uh, Amigurumi is. I know, me too. Also looks very calming and and meditative to do. I love her. Oh, look at her collar. This is so great. It's fantastic. You want to take the next one too? Sure. This is from Adri, pronoun she and her. This is just a huge thank you to you ladies, especially DG. Thank you for sharing. Ah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story by your friend T. Dixon. What an emotional roller coaster that was, mm. right? From the beginning to the end of it, I laughed and I cried while driving to work. What a beautiful story shared by someone who indeed was an earthly angel. Such a beautiful soul with a heart that was meant to care for others. It truly was. Mm. Adria, it truly was. Dana, I'm sorry for the loss of that very special person, truly. May her memory be a blessing to every single person who knew her and loved her until you all meet again. Oh, God. I know. <clears throat> Allison, thank you for making time for such a beautiful story, for the wonderful work you do in general. I love you, ladies. AGDG and AC. I'd love to share this for Pod's text pet. You heard me. I'd love to share this for the Pod's pet tax. She's not mine, but I do doggy sit from time to time. She's a Belgian Malinois. Oh, she's, she's beautiful. beautiful. This is like model dog. Do, like, do Belgian Malinois resemble German shepherds or is yeah. it just the head? Okay. Yeah, they really do. They're they, beautiful. Kind of hard to distinguish in some cases. and um, But they're very smart, good working dogs. And that this one's a beauty. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you for that submission, Adri. That was really lovely. Thank you so much. I'm so touched by everyone who listened to T's story and has been giving feedback. I just want you to know it means the world to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. All right. I'm going to grab the next two here. Uh, Anastasia, pronounced she and her. This isn't really anything other than a blatant pet tax submission. (laughs) Meet Robbie. (laughs) Hi, Robbie. That's my first boyfriend's name. He was a year old when we brought him home from the local shelter, and he had some issues relating to his past life. Seven years later, he has learned to play and generally be the best boy he can be. We love him dearly, despite his absolute conviction that he's entitled to sit in the front seat of the car. <laughs> oh, yes, he is convinced. Look at that beauty boy. What a good dog. And another one here. Greetings, beans, queens. This is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. I'm writing with some crafty good news. On February 12th, 600 plus knitters, 600 plus, including myself, raised 271000 to fight hunger and food insecurity in the U.S. during the 12-hour virtual 
knit for food knit-a-thon. Our people are amazing. <gasps> that equates to 2,717,610 meals. Jesus. I want to give a big thanks to the team who organized the event and to the 5,000 plus donors who supported our crafty knit-a-thon. The funds raised will be divided up equally between Feeding America, World Central Kitchen, Meals on Wheels, and No Kid Hungry. Just amazing organizations. Yes. I encourage my fellow Beanie Weenies to get out there and donate to these great organizations or to a local food bank. Feeding America has a great directory where you can search for local service providers in your area. Whether you give your time, treasure, or tasty non-perishables, it'll make a big difference in the lives of our neighbors and in our communities. As Pod Pet Tax and What the Mutt, I'm attaching a pic of my handsome boy, Odin, good name, who turned 10 this week. Can you guess his breeds? Who He weighs 120 pounds. There's got to be Mastiff in there. Yeah. Definitely Mastiff. I would say Shepherd. Maybe a little German Shepherd because of the coloration. Roddy? Yeah, I can go with Roddy. Pibble? Uh, I wonder how many breeds he has. I bet you there's a lot. There's probably some Chow Chow in there too. And it looks like there's also like some Stripey, so maybe Healer. Yeah, yeah, or or that could be that Pibble Brindle. Could be. All right, let's see. Boxer, Roddy, Pitbull. Husky, Dalmatian, Shepherd, Retriever, and 5% Super Mutt. So the Roddy is not a Mastiff, but it was the Roddy that was giving him the beef. Oh my goodness. So cute. That dog's beautiful. No, I want to hug this dog. I bet this dog gives good hugs. Like the side hugs, you know, where they lean on your legs. Oh, yes. Anonymous, whoever you are, congratulations. That is an incredible amount of meals and food and uh, money raised. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And submit it anonymously. I like, know. Don't even give me credit. Just I love that. want to do good stuff. but th- And I'm not discouraging anyone to give us their names. I'm just saying this. Yeah. Is- we want to know all of you and everything that you do that's good. Uh, Flora, pronoun she and her. A whoopee confession. I had mm-hmm. a beloved stuffed animal that I got when I was seven. I named him <laughs> Coochie. Not being familiar with the urban dictionary meaning of that word. <laughs> Apparently, my parents were also in the dark or just too embarrassed to explain why I might have wanted to pick a different name. Now, though Coochie is no longer with me, pictured are my beloved teddy bear made out of my late father's overalls and shirt and monkey and monkey junior made and given to me by my father's grandmother after whom I'm named. They sit on a shelf in my bedroom and bring me joy every day. Never too old for whoobies. Amazing. These are so freaking cute. I love sock monkeys. They make me very happy. Me too. There's just so much joy in a sock monkey. And Lane's Pistachio Ranch. Take me there now. I know. I I want to go. Let's go. All right. Let's go to Lane's Pistachio Ranch. What a cool idea out of your dad's overalls and shirt. (laughs) Coochie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Coochie. That's good. Thank you all so much for your submissions um, and all the good things you're doing. If you have anything you're crafting, you want to send, you just want to send in your pet photos for pod tax. Would love to see them. Anything you're doing. You can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Uh, Dana, any final thoughts today? Yeah, I do. Actually, I want to announce a new show. It's not till April, um, but it's going to be live in San Diego at Martini's Above Fourth. They had closed for a little while if you're local to San Diego and reopened. 
And they're calling the show The Legends of LGBTQ Comedy. It's going to be myself, Bruce Valanche, and Suzanne Westenhofer. Wow. Yeah, so that's April 16th. It's a Saturday night, and you can go to Martini's Above Fourth, their website, scroll down, and get some tickets. It's going to be a triple header night, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's my next show that does not involve uh, a gala and fundraising. I have a few of those coming up, but those are... A little bit different. I do a different job there, but my next stand-up show is April 16th in San Diego. Yes, and now being the local. Yes, you will be there. Man, a comedian. I can verify that's a bomb-ass lineup, dude. That is fucking sick. Weston Hot. Oh, I, like, right? my mind is blown. I know. Valanche, all, come on. I have missed Martinis above fourth. I have met so many incredible comedians there. I've performed there several times myself, doing different things and fundraisers, and it's just a great venue and a great community. And they have, and I hope they have it still, the executive martini, which is the best martini I've ever had in my entire life. Oh. And uh, so it's worth getting that. And I will be there too. Come have a drink with Dana and I. Do it. Come on out. If you're in the San Diego area, anywhere near uh, April 16th, I would love to have you there. Yep. That'll be great. Thank you for that. And everybody until tomorrow, which by the way, should include an interview with both Alexander and Rachel Vinman. Ooh, double header. To discuss his lawsuit um, against the, you know, you know who. You know who. <laughs> A very important lawsuit as well for our, for, for right matters here generally. So look forward to that. And until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.